John, it's been a fascinating year in that the Wolves have basically been pursuing the sixth seed openly, talking about it, chasing it uh, for, for a long time now. And I think I wonder sometimes if that obsession and that being the focal point has sometimes made us kind of forget about the bigger picture, which is the Wolves are going to the playoffs and the Wolves <laughs> are winning a lot more games than Vegas or any objective observer would have uh, you know, called them on. I, I just wonder and I also wonder if chasing the sixth seed so relentlessly all year you know, led to some of the fatigue we've seen with this team over the years. That's that's my crazy theory. I'll let you shoot it down now. You know what? I'm I'm actually really glad that you brought this up. And for those who are listening, we did not talk about this before we started the show. Um, and so Jim brought this up on his own. But I was just in Denver with the Wolves uh, for the Nuggets game, which was a, an unbelievable, fun, super fun game uh, last on Friday. Um, and was you know the, the day before when I got in, met up with some people around the team. And we're just, you know, having a drink and having a bite to eat and just talking about the season and how it's gone and all of these things. And, you know, one person really did bring that up to me is just like trying to manage sort of the expectations of it in terms of, you know, the Wolves have been so successful and and especially since the All-Star break have really played well outside of that four losses and five stretch that they just went through a little bit. Um, and, and so it really did sort of ramp up the excitement, the energy and the expectations from fans and really from, from players, I think too, who said, man, they really have a shot at being in the sixth seed. There was even a brief glimmer after they beat Dallas two Fridays ago, uh, that, Hey, maybe the five seed is, is, is in play or something like that. And so if they even end up where, and it looks like in all likelihood, they're going to end up in the seven seed. If they get to that point, the challenge for coaches and the challenge kind of for the organization in general is to make sure the players aren't like super let down by that. And so that when they get into that seven, eight game, they're in and they're excited and they're ready to roll and they're, you know, they're, they're locked in and they don't feel like they let themselves or anyone else down because in the grand scheme of things, as you said, Jim, this has been a wildly successful season for the Timberwolves starting the season. You thought, you know, all the projections were 35, 36 wins, maybe 37 or 38. If everything goes the right way and you're kind of in that running for nine and 10. Like if, if, if you could get into that conversation in the West, that was what we were talking about for the, for the Timberwolves outlook at the start of the season. They are, they have 45 wins right now as we record this on Monday with three very winnable home games coming up. They could finish 48 wins, which is, Staggering. Even if they finish with 46, 47 wins, that's that's an unbelievable achievement. They won 23 games last year. Mm-hmm. Like that's so so like in all of that, um, in all of that context, like everyone should be feeling really good, no matter even if they don't get any help from the Lakers, which it doesn't look like they're going to, and they don't get to six, seven is still a remarkable achievement. And the Timberwolves should enter that game against the Clippers feeling really good about what they accomplished and feeling like they should be confident to win that game and then 
get into the playoffs that way. And that was not what we were looking at at the start of the season. No doubt about it. I'm glad you agree with me. I might have got something right for once. Uh, hey, this is uh, the John Krasinski Show. He's John Krasinski from The Athletic. I'm Jim Suhan from The Star Tribune. Brandon Morton is our producer. This is part of TalkNorth.com. John and I also do the Viking Update Show. Give uh, uh, We've both been watching and covering the Vikings for about combined 80 years, and uh, we offer insights on that team as well. Thanks for listening to TalkNorth.com. We recommend subscribing to your favorite podcast app. It is free. It is easy. You can always go to talknorth.com, see all the shows, outdoor content, variety shows, and uh, the archives of all our shows if you want to go back and hear some old storytelling. And thanks to our, our sponsors, Head Flyer Brewing, TSR Injury Law, Memorial Blood Center, Manscaped, and All Energy Solar. So I'm going to go really basic here because you might have new listeners and you might have some people who really just haven't paid attention to the all the playoff scenarios. Just take us through exactly how the play-in works and who the who the Wolves are most likely to face and what that bodes for them. Right. So so start it right now as we sit on Monday morning. The Wolves are in seventh place in the West. They are forty-five and thirty-four. They need to go three and zero over the last three games and hope that either Utah in six or Denver in five who both have 32 losses but really it, it's it's Denver they, they they have the tiebreaker with so if Denver loses twice over their last four games uh, and the Wolves uh, sweep their last three they're the sixth seed and Denver would fall back to seven if Utah lo- Utah has to lose three times in their last four games um, which is probably unlikely because Utah has the tiebreaker at between six and seven four for the wolves. And so anyway, if, if the wolves do get, do get up to six, that means they're in the playoffs. Scott free, free and clear. They're playing the third seed right now. It's golden state. Maybe it might be Dallas. We'll see how, how everyone finishes up there. But one of those two teams they're in, they're playing a first round matchup. If they stay at seven, which they, they won't drop any lower than seven. They're locked in to either seven with a very, with a small chance of getting up to six. If they stay at seven, they're in the play-in tournament. And there is there are four teams, the team seated seven, eight, nine, and ten. Right now it's Timberwolves seven, Clippers eight, uh, Pelicans nine, Spurs ten, Lakers out of the, the play-in altogether. It's incredible. Um, and so the Wolves in that would have two home games because they're the highest seed, the seven seed. The Wolves have had two home games to win one and get in the playoffs. If they win the first game which would be against the Clippers, the eight-seeded Clippers. If they win that game, they are the seven-seed and would play second-seeded Memphis in round one. If the Timberwolves lose the first game to the Clippers, who are playing very well right now, and then they they play the winner of the Pelicans or the Spurs, and they play them at home as well. And if they win that game, they are the eight-seed would play Phoenix in the first round. Not a good matchup. But so all in all, what I think Timberwolves fans are hoping for most, obviously, is that they a miracle happens and they get into six. But if they don't and they stay in the play-in, everyone is hoping that you win that first game against the Clippers and you get a matchup against Memphis that you think you can at least put a scare into the Grizzlies and play them very tough and, and avoid Phoenix in round one. So those are the scenarios right now for the Wolves with just a less than a week to go in the regular season. It, and it's 
I'm really looking forward to these playoffs, you know, in part because the Wolves will be involved in it, in part because I find so many of these Western Conference teams fascinating. I love the way Phoenix plays. I love the fact that Memphis is great with Ja and without Ja, uh, which is an amazing thing. You know, uh, Golden State, I love Steve Curry. I love Steph Curry. And they're a mystery because you just don't know who's going to be healthy and playing well. Wiggins seems to have slumped a little bit offensively, but he's actually playing really well defensively. He's interesting. Uh, This is great stuff. By the way, who's your MVP pick? You know, um, I've I've waffled a lot on this, and I don't have a I don't have a a vote for the for the real award. But if I were to if I were to vote, um, I really I think I think it's it it's it, if uh, if Denver stays in the five seed and finishes at five, I think Jokic is my MVP. Just given all of the injuries that they have endured and how great. I mean, unbelievably great Nikola Jokic has been all season long for the Nuggets and how they completely fall off of a cliff when he is not on the floor, both offensively and defensively, by the way. I think I have to go with Jokic, but I am reserving the right to change my mind to Giannis at the last minute. Giannis has been ridiculous, just like statistically unbelievable Milwaukee they're in the third seed so they only actually have one more win than the Nuggets right now which is kind of remarkable and that's why I kind of lean ever so slightly to Jokic's side but but Giannis has been just uh an absolute monster uh for for the Bucs and so um as of today I would go Jokic Giannis and Bede I could see myself flipping if the Nuggets stumble and and fall down into the play, and I could flip that and go Giannis, Jokic, and Bead as my top three for for MVP. Well, making me feel better about my perspective. I, I felt the same. I, somebody mentioned Jokic uh, midseason as their MVP, and I was like, eh. and then I started looking harder at it and watching him play, and it was like, okay, you're right. And then, but Giannis has been so good, you have to consider him too. Uh, man, Jokic is just a wonderful player to watch. It's unbelievable, Jim. Like, you know. He's a big man, um, but the way that obviously that that everything runs through him, his he's he's I think he's the best passer in the league mm-hmm. by far. But like not 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 just centers, point guards, put anyone in there. I think Jokic is the best passer. Um, he does so much for them. They rely on him so heavily without Jamal Murray, without Michael Porter Jr. They have lost their two, you know, their their other two of their big three, quote unquote, and yet. The Nuggets have still stayed afloat. As I said, they're one. They have one fewer victories than Milwaukee does. Uh, one fewer than Philadelphia does. Um, and so, I mean, it's just like he has just been everything for that team. And I mean, he scores it. He rebounds. He passes. He has quietly become a serviceable defender. Much like I think he and Towns are similar in that way, Jim, where like they were not good defenders earlier on in their career. And so I think that label has stayed with them. But if you look at the way they both play, um, they're 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 both very solid defenders now in their schemes and they help their teams defensively a great deal. And so um, so he's not just one dimensional is it, 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 that's to say and. Uh, he's so overwhelming from a statistical standpoint and an efficiency standpoint and, and, and everything that he does that I, I just, I 
think that the way that I look at this MVP that's so close, it's just like, okay, you take this player away from that team, what happens? The the Nuggets fall absolutely through the floor. Um, I think the Bucks would be a lot worse without Giannis, obviously. The Sixers without Embiid. Take Luka off Dallas. There's a lot of just great, great players. But I just think that Jokic has been just a little bit better than than the rest are just a little bit more important to his team. Um, but that said, it's so close. Like it's it's a very, very tight race. And I could see it going one of three ways, or you know, I you could even make a case for Luca right now. And 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 I couldn't really argue with it. I want to talk about Kareem, LeBron, Josh Kogi, the Wolves bench, uh, Towns, Finch. First, though, we want to thank Head Flyer Brewing. That's right, Jim. So Head Flyer Brewing. In Northeast Minneapolis on Hennepin Avenue, just off of 35W North, uh, we, we, my wife and I have been going there for years and years. Great beers, great tap room, great swag, great merch that they have, um, lots, of, lots of good stuff going on there. And they have a five-year anniversary party, which is coming up on April 23rd. There's going to be music. There's going to be feud, uh, food, a, a bunch of special beers. One, one that's included is a double dry hopped hazy IPA. It's going to be a super big celebration of a great brewery getting into the five-year mark. So put that on your calendars, April 23rd at Head Flyer. Also watch, pretty soon, we're going to be announcing kind of the winner of the naming contest of the collaboration that the John Krasinski Show and Head Flyer Brewing has done on a beer that's going to be geared toward the Timberwolves and their playoff run. And we'll have a little, hopefully kind of like a little mini event um, for that beer release sometime right around the playoffs. And we'll, we'll be up in that. So keep an eye out for that. But in the meantime, go to Head Flyer Brewing, go to the tap room in, uh, in Northeast Minneapolis, or stop by your local liquor stores and in the metro area and pick up a wicked jump shot, pick up a, it was all a dream, hazy IPA, um, any of those uh, types of, of beers, and you won't be sorry. I really think uh, Head Flyer Brewing, Brewing is blowing it. They, I mean, what would be better for their marketing and for their sales than to have a Suhan Super Bitter IPA? <laughs> a Super Bitter IPA? Oh, man, it's perfect. We Maybe we'll bring that around in the next uh in the in the next collab this summer or something like that because that is too good to pass up absolutely i agree hey i want to tell you well not just tell you you already know this it's the time of year where we have a brief moment between paying paying high utility bills to keep our home or business warm to paying high utility bills to keep your home or business cold. In most parts of the country, energy rates are rising or have already gone up. You've probably already noticing it on your bill, just like we're all noticing it at the gas pump. Solar energy can help you lock in energy rates and give you peace of mind knowing your energy costs won't rise along with fossil fuel costs. And we all know what's going on with Russia. We got to get away from fossil fuel. We don't want to be buying anything from Russia. Solar panels last 25 to 30 years, giving you a good idea where your energy is coming from for decades to come. I've been talking about all energy solar for a long time across many shows on this platform. Highly recommend going to allenergysolar.com and checking out what options could help you in the long run because we're all in it for the long run here. Hey, uh, tell me about Josh Akogi. You know, he finally got some playing time the other night. Uh, last time I was at a Timberwolves game, he he came to the uh, interview room and, and handled himself with great class. What's going on with him right now? Yeah, you know, so so the, the Timberwolves played the Houston Rockets on Sunday night. And look, they had just gotten through this gauntlet 
Toronto, Boston, Denver, Dallas, like all of these really difficult teams uh, that they were playing Phoenix. And then you get to Houston, who young team tanking uh, wants the highest pick possible. And so and it's the end of a four game road trip. And guys are not as into it. Um, they scored 80 points in the first half, like, and 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 they were just kind of going through the motions defensively, not putting up much of an effort. That happens. Um, but I thought it was a really smart thing for Chris Finch to do, which, and it, number one, he sat Patrick Beverly to kind of rest a little bit of an ankle that's been barking at him and, and get him ready for the playoffs. But secondly, he put Josh Akogi into the rotation after, you know, he has not been um, a fixture in that rotation for a long, long time. For most of the season, he started out, uh, he started the first three games and then really kind of quickly fell out of the rotation. This is his fourth season. He's the second longest tenured Timberwolves player. And, you know, he's trying to play for a, a, a future in this league and, and really establish his value. And yet he has not, he's only been in garbage time for the better part of the season. And though that's the kind of recipe that would lead maybe a veteran player to be bitter, to kind of pout, to be negative and just like kind of take down the, the, the vibes in the locker room, which have been so good all year. And instead, Okogi just steps right in, plays 16 minutes, plays really, really hard, gives them enough energy defensively to and and cuts the basket scores 11 points just does enough like just to get that team through a game like that um where no one really wants to play just like let's just get this one over with okogi comes in and plays really really hard doesn't slump his shoulders doesn't you know feel down about himself he just goes out there and does his job and i just think it's a really admirable quality and says a lot about his character as a as a leader on this team, I mean, he does not play, but he's still relied upon as kind of a voice who's been here a while, who players really have a lot of respect for. He's very intelligent. He's been remarkable in the community since, especially since the George Floyd uh, death and all of those things. Um, and and he has just maintained an incredible attitude. And and I just I tip my hat to him because I've been in the locker room. I've seen other team, uh, other players in the exact same situation really become angry and bitter and, and, and really just kind of suck the life out of the room. That has not been Josh Akogi, and that kind of typifies this whole team as you know, being one that is pretty selfless and that has not like given in to the individual agendas that can take down teams. And, and that's why they've been able to avoid – I think long losing streaks. They haven't lost three in a row since the start of January because they figure out a way to bond together, to hold each other accountable and, and to be all in it. And it sounds kind of trite and it sounds kind of hallmarky, but, uh, but it's a real thing. And so to see the way that Josh played last night, a really good kid who, um, who obviously wants more and hasn't gotten it. Uh, I, I just was really, really impressed. 
Yeah, that's great. It, it's it's a cool story, and it's the kind of story we we should pay attention to because, uh, hey, you know, and you know what? I don't really even blame players who get frustrated. You yeah, know, you get of you, course. I mean, it's completely understandable. You know, it's your career, it's your life, it's your earning potential, and you don't always have complete control over it. You don't have control over who drafts you, or you know, I mean, there are a lot of ways to be frustrated, just like normal human beings are frustrated by their careers, or their jobs, frequently, uh, and for somebody to handle it publicly as well as he has is really admirable exactly because like i mean i this it's not like his career is on the line right now because whether it's here or somewhere else like someone else will give him another chance and and let him continue playing he's still young enough he's athletic he's he's all those things but he is coming to the end of his rookie deal and that that's that first uh contract after your rookie deal is typically the one that you really rely on to say, all right, I'm establishing myself. I'm setting myself up really for the long term with a, you know, even if it's a, let's say a mid-level exception, three-year, $30 million deal. Like that's life-changing money. Like that's that's the kind of stuff that really sets you up going forward for the long haul. Josh Okogie is not going to be in that position just given that how this season has gone. And so, um, you know, he he's probably looking at a case where either he stays here or if he goes somewhere else and he's going to kind of try to have to start from the bottom again and reestablish himself and and maybe get in a different environment and, and, and get a little just more run to be able to show what he can do. But that's a lot of pressure on your shoulders. I mean, you only get so many chances at this. And, and so and, and all of these guys come from places, whether it's college or Europe or wherever, where they were really, really, really good players that were really relied upon on their teams. And so to switch to more of a role where you're just kind of on the bench and just, you know, there if if there's an injury or or something like that, that's hard for people to swallow. And and they're they, you know, Nakogi or Akogi uh, went to the Olympics with Nigeria. He's a very, very proud young man like he really believes in himself he has the confidence and so those kinds of things can conspire to say man i'm getting screwed here this is ridiculous get me out i've had enough of this and instead he has just said you know what we're winning a lot of games the guys in front of me are playing very well and i'm just going to make the best of this that i can and then we'll figure out everything else later and so to be able to set aside kind of his personal future for the meantime and and really just kind of look at what he can do to help the team in his limited capacity, um, that takes a lot of selflessness. And yeah, I would not blame him either if he was just like, man, this is this is this is whack. Get me out of here kind of thing. Like that's just there's the an athlete's career is too short to uh, to not be looking out for himself and trying to maximize everything he can. And that's just not what Josh is doing right now. And it's 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 not rare, but it's uncommon, I would say, for someone in his shoes. Yes. And I want to talk about Towns, Finch, and the Lakers. Uh, we do want to thank our friend Steve Terry and TSR Injury Law. Steve always tells me you don't have to do a long ad for us. Just tell people if you are injured, you're going to need good representation. You want to know what your options are. You want somebody reputable and good at their jobs. That's TSR Injury Law, 612-TSR-TIME, 
TSR time. Also appreciate Memorial Blood Center, not only for sponsoring the program, but also for doing such important work. This month, give blood with local Memorial Blood Centers and you'll make twice the impact. For every unit of blood donated, Memorial Blood Centers will donate $1 to Second Harvest Heartland, helping ensure folks living with food insecurity can get healthy, nutritious food that they need. Double your impact without even having to open your wallet. Learn more about how you can help or schedule an appointment to give blood at mbc.org or call 1-888-448-3253. Your community is counting on you. And now the highlight of every show, John Krasinski on Manscaped. And by the way, I'm going down to uh, the Masters this week. I carry my Manscaped uh, pack everywhere I go. Absolutely. It's it's travel friendly. So, fellas, have you started spring cleaning yet? The carpets need cleaning, the drapes need dusting, and your lawn needs mowing. Spring has sprung, and the global leaders in below-the-waist grooming have the best tools for cleaning aisle five in your pants. Time to clear out your winter bush and join the other 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code ATHLETIC. Manscaped has the full package you need for spring cleaning this year. The performance package 4.0 is the only tool you need to keep your boys looking and smelling like the fresh tulips or azaleas, maybe, Jim, uh, uh, that your partner wants. To start off your spring cleaning, use Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer to get the most precise shave on your hedges. Did we mention it's waterproof as well? No need to worry about watering your grass with this tool. Equipped with an LED light so you know it'll be a major asset to the new shower routine. The start of spring also marks the start of Testicular Cancer Awareness Month in April. Manscaped has partnered with the Testicular Cancer Society to bring awareness to testicular cancer, men's health, and early cancer detection. Manscaped is committed to raising awareness for the most common form of cancer in men aged 15 to 35 and giving support for fighters, survivors, and families impacted by testicular cancer as part of their We Save Balls initiative. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code athletic at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code athletic at manscaped.com. Good stuff. Thank you to manscaped.com. Thanks to all of our sponsors across the talknorth.com platform. We do appreciate it. And thanks again to our producer, Brandon Morton. All right, look, you know, we're going to get to the Wolves more, but I'm, I'm fascinated that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar would come out and rip on Le- Le- LeBron James. Um, I think LeBron James has done – listen – one of the greatest players of all time, maybe in the top two. Uh, and he's done so many good things. He's done so much, so much good work, uh, community nationwide, uh, you know, funding schools, you know, he, he's been, he's been a great human being, but then again, what Kareem said about him is accurate. You know, his criticisms were accurate, but I'm interested in your perspective on this. Yeah. I, I kind of go both ways on this and I'm still trying to kind of get my head around it, Jim, because on the one hand, um, LeBron has done so much for so many and handled himself in such a remarkable way, given the intensity of the spotlight that has always been on him that, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's almost, you, you almost think, well, maybe if there's someone who's beyond reproach, maybe it is LeBron and all, all of the work that he has done and, uh, you know, with the, the, I promise school with, with so many, uh, charitable, uh, endeavors and social justice commentaries and things like that. Like he has used his platform for good. And some people might disagree with, you know, some of the, the certain um, uh, projects that he's chosen or, or the messaging or whatever, but you cannot say that 
he has sort of sat idly by and and just collected a paycheck and not tried to uh, to make the world better in his eyes and, and do those things. So in that way, you think, gosh, like, are we nitpicking here? But also, you know, it, this is coming from Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, like the guy who, as a freshman at UCLA, sat with Jim Brown and Muhammad Ali and and mm-hmm. and and so many of those just titans of of athletics in his era and 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 stood for causes that were very difficult at the time to stand for. This is a guy who is incredibly educated, who has a perspective on the world that um that I I have all of the respect for. And so in that case, it's like if anyone is going to say something about this, certainly Kareem has in, in earned the right to have that perspective and to share that that uh uh that accounting. Now I do I I and I also think that it's not always the worst thing for someone like LeBron to be held accountable. I mean you know these guys; these athletes live in a bubble often, and are always told how great they are, and no one pushes back on them. And so, to have someone who is trying to respectfully um, call out someone on the carpet for things they disagree with, I think it's good. I think it can make LeBron better in the long run, even if he doesn't agree with Kareem, even if he says, "Man, old man, you're 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 way off." you're way off the point here. And I don't agree with that at all. Just to hear some kind of criticism that way, that is beyond the stupid Skip Bayless, ridiculous trolling that happens, but yeah. like real honest, like introspective criticism about what he's doing off the court. Like, I think that's valuable to consider at least. And so in, I, do I, should he have used the word embarrassed? Should he have gone as, as maybe, that that um overt as he did probably not and and he later issued a statement trying to like soften that a little bit um but what he basically said is like i look at myself as an older brother who's helping a younger brother and and trying to hold him accountable and so in that respect um i i i think that's probably a good thing for lebron in the long run yeah and i just think that lebron has used his platform exceptionally well in so many ways but when you have someone with his following and he you know tweets out the thing about pretending yeah. that like the flu and covid are the same thing that's you know that's where i get that's where i'm hard on cousins where i'm hard on lebron you have a following you have to be really responsible with how you how you promote you know facts mm-hmm. yeah and and look i i think sometimes and i i have to try and put myself in like the LeBron shoes, which is impossible, but like so many of the things that he says from a off the away from basketball standpoint, from, you know, addressing issues in the world, he speaks to a media group that is very understanding and receptive to his message and generally gives him that pulpit with very little pushback. And I'm not even saying that's wrong. Like that's just, that's the, the reality of his situation right now is like a lot of times he makes statements and doesn't really get challenged on them. Um, Kareem is challenging him here on, on some of these things. And so 
I think that it can be an iron sharpens iron kind of a thing where, you know, we're not going to, no one is going to say a hundred percent thing where everything is a hundred percent approval rating where everything that comes out of a person's mouth or goes on their Twitter feed, everyone's going to agree with and say, yeah, LeBron, you're the right, you're, you're the greatest ever. Um, there are things that they're going to do. They're going to say, what are you talking about? Like, I disagree with that. And I think that that kind of pushback is important on those types of issues. When he go, when he's feeling himself or whatever, and when he's frustrated and he goes to an area and, and, and like, like the vaccine and the COVID stuff. And, you know, you think, man, you've spent all of these years building up so much goodwill. And then you have something like this. Well, that Kareem looks at that and says, I'm not going to just let that slide. Like, I'm not going to ignore it. I'm not going to just say, well, you know, but he does all this work with school, with the, with the I promise school. So I'm just going to, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get all riled up about that. No, he's like, I think Kareem sees LeBron as this global icon and this global force and says, I am one of the few people who is in a position to tell you when you're screwing up and hope that you listen to me. And, and he, Kareem has the resume from a player standpoint. He has the resume from an activism, um, community oriented standpoint and to, make his voice heard and 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 so it is not like just someone taking a shot at lebron for the shot's sake for the attention for look at me it's no um this is a man who's accomplished so much in his life and has a perspective that he wants to share and maybe it doesn't maybe it, it rolls right off lebron's back and he doesn't care and, and he moves right on or if anyone is going to at least put a little bit of a seed in in the back of LeBron's mind and say, hey, you know what? Maybe I need to rethink this a little bit. Maybe I need, maybe I was wrong. Maybe I, or or maybe I need to do it a little differently. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is just one of those people who can do that. And, and so in that way, I respect what Kareem is doing there. Um, it's just a matter of like the delivery of the message might have been a little bit too harsh but um, but I, I think all in all, the intent was pure there. I agree. Uh, good stuff. Hey, last topic for today. Uh, again, I'm more of a big picture person than somebody who picks the part, the game. And, you know, whatever they're – whether they end up being the sixth, seventh seed, however far they go, I think the fact that Towns and Finch have an obvious bond and that Finch is so good at pushing his players and yet re- retaining their – admiration and respect. I think that's probably the biggest takeaway from this season for me. It's a big one, Jim. Um, Absolutely. Um, Because I think town said it last night after, after the Houston game, it's just that they have forged a friendship and there are going to be people who look at that and say, well, coaches and players shouldn't be friends and, you know, and, and the coach is the boss and all that. That's not what towns has ever wanted. And, that was why he was such a a, a proponent of Ryan Saunders, uh, because he respected Ryan as a person and believed in him and knew that Ryan believed in Carl. And so there was a good relationship there. It obviously did not work out for many reasons. Finch has come in and been able to establish a relationship with Towns of trust, of 
um, of respect and also with the way that he has led the team on the court as well. Now that is like the perfect combination for Carl Anthony Towns. There are some players who want just a, a an arm's length relationship with a coach who want, you know, someone who's just going to come in and kick their butts and then go home. There are others who need more from a coach and Carl Anthony Towns needs more from a coach. And so Chris Finch has done a very, very good job of understanding how to build that relationship. And that is not a small reason that Towns is having the best season of his career because Towns feels that his teammates believe in him for the first time in a long time. And Towns feels that his coach believes in him. Now, Ryan Saunders obviously believed in Towns. That was not an issue. But Finch has come in and made changes to the way they do things on the court, but also has kept a similarly tight relationship with his star player, which is what his star player wants. And so that has worked out beautifully for the Timberwolves. And it is a major reason that they're having all this success is because Towns has sort of come out of that fog and he feels a an acceptance and a family type of a bond with the organization, with the coach and with the teammates. And that's what he has always, always wanted. And it's it's finally kind of all coming together for him. And so it's it should be the biggest reason that Wolves fans remain optimistic going into this play-in playoff situation going forward for the next few years is that they have a coach and a a coach who's done a wonderful job and a and a star player who has risen from the ashes and they're they're on the same page and that's the most important thing to success in the NBA. Let's get a final thought from John. Thanks again to Brandon Morton, our producer. Thank you to Headflyer Brewing, TSR Injury Law, Memorial Blood Center, Manscaped and All Energy Solar. Uh, thank you for listening to talkdork.com. All right, John, wrap up the show for us. Yeah, last last thought here, Jim, is that um, the Clippers have Paul George back, and they are playing very well. And there is, you can feel on Timberwolves Twitter in the you know in the Timberwolves uh, scarred fan base a very real nervousness about what this means for that potential seven eight matchup first round of the play in tournament. Oh no, Paul George is back. The the Wolves don't have a chance. This is going to be terrible. We're going to we've we've had such a great season and now we're going to come in, we're going to lose in that first round in the first round then then the best we can do is play Phoenix and 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 the Suns are going to wipe us in the in the first round of the playoffs. What I would say to all of them is A, the Clippers are playing really well. And getting Paul George back, he looks great. It's going to be a daunting challenge. Also, a one-game scenario, anything can happen. Orlando could come in in a one-game scenario and beat the Timberwolves. Like, and we've seen it happen. So, um, so in that respect, I understand some of the nervousness. But I would also say that this team now has seventy-nine games of sample size. And I think that you can say with confidence, this is a good Timberwolves team. This is not a team. This is not a situation where the emperor has no clothes. This is not a situation where 
They've just got by on a on on a light schedule or anything like that. You've seen wins against Dallas, wins against Denver, wins against Milwaukee and Golden State, and like uh, they have a lot of quality wins. They are getting healthy right now. Jaden McDaniels will be back on this homestand at some point. Could be as early as Tuesday. We'll see. But um, Malik Beasley is back. This is a very good Wolves team. They're not championship contenders, but they are good enough that you should go into a play-in game uh, scenario, even with the Clippers, with confidence that they can win. They have been the better team than the Clippers, even when they've had Paul George all season long. And so um, I would just say to Timberwolves fans, don't give up just yet, because um, I think it's it's a really good Wolves team that deserves to be in this spot that should be the favorites in that game at home. And um, I think they're going to play well. And I think they, I I think that they will beat the Clippers in, in that seven, eight game. I'll just say that right now. Great stuff. Thank you, John. Thank you, Brandon. Thank you to everyone for listening to talk for.